What is happening, everyone? Welcome again to The Window, Canada's sports betting podcast. Ahead on today's episode of The Window, it's Stanley Cup playoffs eve and the night after in the NBA. It's a double board super overview for the weekend. The NHL slate and a recap of The Wheel, our silly little playoff betting formula. My best bets for the different series and other futures. Then it's the NBA board for the weekend. And is there any circumstantial value out there? So much action and we don't even know what to do with it. It's time to head to the window. Let's go! Welcome to The Window. I'm your host, Matt Russell, and let's get right into it. Don't look back in anger before it's time for the good stuff. Uh, Obviously, the big action last night in the NBA, the two first games of the season. And to be honest with you, while competitive, pretty sloppy. Uh, Unders hit pretty easily in both games. Um, Don't know if that's necessarily something that is uh, portending of things to come. Um, but of course, you know, we said we're going to keep our eye on it. So there it is. Two pretty easy unders. Uh, really competitive games, as I mentioned. Two point games either way. Of course, Rudy Gobert would get the winning points for the Jazz from the free throw line, of all things. And of course, LeBron gets it done to give the Lakers a win. Uh, interesting line move, as we talked about, with the Lakers moving to four and a half points, I think. Um, you know, could go either way on these games, but that move gave us just enough motivation to take the Clippers in a game that I think we all thought was pretty much a toss-up unless there was some sort of major, major key injury. Patrick Beverly, um, limited minutes, but still was able to contribute. Uh, Same sort of thing for Zion Williamson, but really bizarre that he, you know, while he had limited minutes, they were you know, sort of not using him in the late game situation that you might think they would, given that they were down two points. Uh, Always kind of strange where they sort of just put a guy on the bench and just not do anything with him. Um, I wish, of course, that I had known that he was going to be limited in the way that he was. These are the sorts of things you kind of have to deal with in doing a podcast that you try to get out in the morning. Um, News breaks sort of over the course of the day. Uh, that line ticked down to minus two in, uh, you know, because of all of that. So uh, let's move it over to baseball. Baseball, a tale of sort of two games that went awry. The Mets, just atrocious. Uh, more bad offense. And Steven Matz gives up two home runs to Christian Vasquez, who, you know, I guess is just a dinger machine all of a sudden. But that accounts for the Red Sox three runs. The Mets have about a million chances to, you know, score late to tie the game or even take the lead. They can't do it. And the Boston Red Sox win yet again. Uh, That's a bet I think I would make again. Um, Circumstantially, I think the Mets were the better team. Um, But... The Mets just find ways, and that's just the you know the way that it's going to go this season. Uh, and the other one, this one was on sort of the flip side. If I felt like I still had the Mets-Red Sox game handicapped pretty well, and by the way, one of the home runs 
on an 0-2 pitch. I've seen home runs on 0-2 pitches way more than I would have liked to at the start of this season. I don't know what pitchers are doing uh, when it comes to 0-2 pitches and giving up home runs. I mean, just throw one in the dirt, for God's sakes. Uh, the other one, way off on the Arizona and the Dodgers game. Felt like the Dodgers got two big wins in Houston. Uh, obviously, super late, 13-inning game for them. Then they go into Arizona thought they'd be flat and Arizona doesn't get anything from Robbie Ray just an absolute disappointment on that on that front um, for Toronto and Washington I didn't play that f5 the way I thought I was going to because when I got off the podcast the number went 20 cents higher so clearly a lesson there where you've got to shop for prices and if a price gets away from you just let it go you just got to let it go at any rate, we're just going to move on to the weekend because that's really what we're here for. Let's get into that after this break. Okay, quick shout out to my guy Neil over at Hundo P Productions. If you're on Twitter, Facebook, I think it was even on LinkedIn, you probably saw the sweet tease videos that he created for my interview with Chad Millman. Great job by him over at 100P Productions. He can help grow your brand with cool videos like that that help promote your product or your service. Uh, contact him over at Hundo P Productions to help boost your brand and get the next level of video marketing. www.hundopproductions.com or at hundopprod on Instagram. Don't just post, inspire. All right, gang, it's time to get serious. The NHL is happening NHL series bets. We're going to start with sort of a recap of what I've got with regards to that. Hopefully you caught the the NHL playoff previews, Stanley Cup previews that I did earlier this week. Calgary and Winnipeg, let's start there. Calgary my biggest bet. Uh, minus 112 available on Sports Interaction, though the limits are incredibly low for that. Uh, minus 115, a little bit more standard. Uh, a full two-unit jobby for me on that one. Uh, that series gets set to go on Saturday. Um, and, of course, that's a game bet for me as well at minus 115. So going sort of double barrel into you can make the case triple barrel into it with calgary right off the bat there carolina and the new york rangers i don't have a play um well if you can find minus 125 uh for carolina series price i would take that otherwise i would play that just sort of game to game carolina minus 125 available at bet 365 for the game uh and of course that way if we see that maybe they're a little overmatched with their defensive injury issues that could be a major problem if we see that, then we can sort of adjust accordingly going forward in the series. Uh, the Rangers lines will would, if getting an early win, you know, they might come down a little bit, but still be getting plus money. So we can shift gears there. Basically, don't want to be committal on Carolina until at least see them get past New York and into the main draw. Edmonton and Chicago. Chicago up to 165. That is getting very close to the zone where I would take a flyer on Chicago uh, for just a unit, 
Corey Crawford played in the exhibition game, so it looks like he's ready to go. As of this taping, I don't have any official word on that, but that is very interesting going forward, and that also sort of... Well, it certainly makes them a game-to-game play, and at plus 145 available in some places, that's definitely a bet if you didn't want to go the series route with Chicago. Uh, Over six, certainly interesting from a total standpoint. If we get that to drop a little bit, if Crawford is deemed to be healthy and go, maybe we could get a five and a half that we could take the over on there. Nashville and Arizona. Arizona at plus 115, I think, is the play. Just for a single unit, I have these teams ranked pretty much exactly dead even uh and then you can also get them game to game there's even a plus 111 uh, at pinnacle otherwise it seems to be plus 105 across the board next up the islanders and florida i got the islanders here pretty significant favorites you will find in most spaces they are essentially a coin flip bet 365 has minus 110 on either side cool bet minus 109 on either side i think that's your arm for your synthetic hold to grab the islanders on that side uh elsewhere they are minus 127 minus 120 i think that's a more accurate price uh sports interaction has a pretty aggressive hold um in that they're offering minus 127 and minus 109 on the opposite side so we should not be betting into those types of lines people um so yeah islanders for me is a pretty significant wager unit for sure unit and a half potentially um, and of course, betting the game as well. So you could certainly do a single unit on the series and a single unit on game one. And I think that would be certainly enough. Uh, next up, my favorite series, Pittsburgh and Montreal. You know I'm in on Montreal plus 195. You can grab that at 365. Pinnacle has them at plus 192 as well. And after that, it gets a little bit lower um, and sort of away from me as far as the edge is concerned. But that being said, I talked way too much let alone enough about how much i think montreal has a chance to win this series and at plus 195 that's just a no-brainer bet win or lose no regrets that's a bet that just has to get made toronto and columbus similar story here with columbus at plus 150 i should mention that montreal's game line on a game-to-game basis is plus 145 plus 150 we're firing away on that as well and it's the same story with columbus plus 150 on the series line we're firing away there and the same thing on the game line plus 135 is the best that i see right this second um again coin flip type series a matchup that's just really kind of the worst case scenario for toronto so we're gonna go with columbus there taking the dog we're gonna take the dog again minnesota plus 118 plus 115 anything around there is well worth a unit of your time maybe even more than that it's hard to say i will readily admit as a vancouver canucks fan born and bred um that's a tougher bet for me to make or tougher a tougher bet to make that's like two units or three units or something along those lines um and i'm even not that excited about betting it game to game because the number drops down to about even money on a game to game basis here it's pretty much across the board plus 100 minus 102 plus 100 minus 101 everybody's in agreement essentially with um what minnesota should be you know what their line should be and it's about even money so i'll pass actually on that game but i will take minnesota overall um just for the unit because of the math and uh I, you know at times i'll be cheering against my bet um but that's the kind of thing that you sign up for right like we are at our core originally sports fans so that's just you know again 
the uh, trials and tribulations that come with uh, you know betting on sports when you've uh, when you've grown up a certain way. Um, as for the other games, uh, which of course include the number one seed tournament round robin type, you know tune up type setup. Um, I think Philly is a no brainer against Boston, getting the price that they're getting. Uh, I'm seeing as high as plus 120 at CoolBet for Philly in that first game. St. Louis and Colorado is a straight-up coin flip um, from an odds perspective. I'll take Colorado off the start here. I think they're going to be a little bit more ready to go than St. Louis will be. I think St. Louis knows full well they do not need to win this little tournament in order to compete in the Western playoffs once they get sort of down to that regular bracket. So I think Colorado jumps uh, St. Louis here early on uh and gets the uh gets the win minus 107 is the best i've seen as pinnacle has their lines down to about a five and a half point uh six point swing uh washington and tampa bay here i like the favorite i think tampa bay is coming in hot and they're coming in meaning business um i think washington again maybe it's sort of having won the stanley cup before uh, recently you know maybe less of an urgency in these playoffs whereas tampa has something to prove here in a really big way not that these are you know quote unquote do or die games by any means but i think tampa is the favorite in the east the favorite to get the one seed and i think they take care of business early on here uh, against washington and then dallas and vegas we talked about this in the western preview uh i've got dallas to win the one seed that is kind of certainly enough for me to just kind of take that as my wager for this game if you don't have that and you can get a plus 110 and we find out that Marc-Andre Fleury is in the net for Vegas I think Dallas can steal one here um, so it just sort of depends on what your what your investment already is in Dallas if you have no investment in Dallas whatsoever then yeah go ahead and sprinkle a unit on Dallas plus 110 Otherwise, if you've already sort of have a cumulative unit on Dallas to do well uh, over the course of this playoff, it might just be worth sort of sitting back and watching, especially if you have them to win that one seed tournament. And that's worth mentioning because we do have them to win the one seed tournament. Uh, plus 525 is certainly worth uh, a wager in that spot. Um, you know, you could easily go a half unit on that and then just sort of hope they take down Vegas early on because I think that gives them a really good inside track at uh, taking the one seed, which I think in theory, almost by default, they might care more than some of these other teams. Over in the Eastern Conference, again, we like Philly to take out Boston. I think that's a good matchup for them right off the start. Uh, plus 650 is the number I got. I think that's come down to 550. Um, that's certainly still worth a bet. I believe that's over at Cool Bet where they still have a decent price on them. So Philly worth a play there. And, um, and on top of the of the game bet, that's how much I like Philly over Boston. Uh, another thing that I didn't, I don't know that I've necessarily even talked about this, top Canadian team, Calgary, plus 450. If we like Calgary to beat Winnipeg, that knocks off Winnipeg. Certainly Edmonton, no guarantee of moving on. Toronto, no guarantee of moving on. And Vancouver, no guarantee of moving on. And of course, Montreal's heavily, you know, an underdog in their series. Calgary could very easily win this series and cash that ticket all at the same time. And even if they don't, you know, obviously a, a lot to, to still be said with regards to matchups and sort of who a team like Toronto might be facing, who Calgary would even be facing in the second round, Edmonton, and so on and so forth. Um, but at plus 450, I think Calgary certainly has, um, because I value them so much uh, relative to Winnipeg, 
and thinking that they're going to beat Winnipeg, um, I obviously sort of value them uh, coming out of the, of sort of the Canadian crop of teams. Um, haven't necessarily pulled a trigger on a Calgary bet to win the West. Um, might be something I actually do look at. I do have Vegas and Dallas already from earlier in this season. So they are better numbers than they're available now for whatever that's worth. And to be honest with you, it's you know, I, I admit that's not worth that much. To tell you that I've got Vegas 8-1 to one, when they're, you know, 350 right now, that doesn't really do anything for you, and I readily admit that too. Um, and it's the same thing with Dallas. I have Dallas from earlier in the season as well to win the West, and, um, you know, it's still it's at double the price that it is now. So, again, not all that helpful. Eh, maybe not double the price. It's 650 right now for Dallas, uh, and I've got them plus 920. So as I mentioned, Calgary, I would think about 22 to 1 right now to win the West when you factor in that the that's you know similarly lined with Calgary, or they are Calgary, uh, with Vancouver, Winnipeg, Nashville, Minnesota. Those are all teams that are 22 to 1 at Bet365 right now. Um, I think that Calgary team does have the better chance than any of those other teams in their tier, so to speak, um, and certainly as much of a chance as Edmonton does at plus 900. Um, obviously, they have a better number because I think they're presumed to be a favorite. Um, you know, I have a better chance to go further because they have a better matchup in the first round. Um, so that's it as far as my sort of best bets and stuff are concerned. Let's get into the wheel. We talked about the wheel. That was an episode from about two weeks ago. And it's this admittedly stupid, um, but also really fun sort of betting system that uh, my friends and I have been doing for a well, seemingly a long time now, but six, seven, eight years, where it's sort of a three-part, three-pronged attack here, three-part deal. Uh, the first part is betting all the plus one and a halves, right? So whoever's the underdog, whoever the favorite is, is going to be favored by minus one and a half at juiced up odds. And on the flip side, plus one and a half, the underdog, you'll have to pay a price, often in the 200s, in order to get a team plus one and a half. But we talked about the record of, you know, in the first two rounds last year where it was hitting at 75%, which is a good value at anything below 300. So even though you're paying minus 200, minus 260, depending on the matchup, it over the long period of time actually is and does have value in part because people get so um, sort of blinded by the big price on minus one and a half because teams win by two all the time. Um, they get blinded by minus one and a half and get, uh, you know, they get a bad number, even though they're getting a plus number for that. So the bad news is you have to put up a little bit of money in order to win, but you will win pretty frequently. On the flip side, if you don't want to put up a lot of money, but you want to win a little bit more money, the prop, the team who is down one nothing wins, or the team to score first loses, however you want to frame it, right? There's a different bunch of different ways. Essentially, you're betting uh, you eventually get whoever does not score first, right? So Winnipeg plays Calgary, Calgary scores first. You are now getting Winnipeg on the money line at around plus 175. There have been years where it was plus 190, 195, even plus 200, kind of depending on the bet. And because these teams are evenly matched, you will often get a better price down one nothing using this than if you were to live bet them down one nothing. okay? Uh, and then the... Next one is an actual live bet. This one requires a little bit more effort because you have to, you know, sort of put notifications on or be watching all the games. But anytime a team goes down two to nothing, 
down two to nothing in the first 25 minutes of the game. So first period or first five minutes of the second period, idea being that they can come back because there's more time left on the clock than has accumulated. And if one team can go up two nothing, the other team can certainly score two goals um, more than the other, you know, more than their opponent for the rest of the game. A lot of time you'll end up going to overtime or late in a game where you know game is tied 3-3 and you are getting plus 400, plus 300, plus 600. Again, depending on the matchup and sort of the pre-game, um, you know, respect that the uh, sportsbook has for that team and the odds that were created beforehand. So that is the wheel. As far as anything else to do with the NHL, uh, I talked about Montreal at 49-1 to 1 to win the East. was certainly worth half a sprinkle uh, in that department. Um, I have Pittsburgh also from earlier in the season, but I don't love that as much. At least I guess I'll have one of those two teams surviving, but I certainly will be all in cheering for Montreal. Um, and then totals wise, you know, I've talked about how I think in general, the unders will be valuable. I would, you know, sort of tacitly bet that these in these first sort of 11 12 games here that there will be more unders than there will be overs that being said a series like chicago and edmonton which could be totally fire wagon um seems you know i don't want to be the on the under on that series so of course it ceases to kind of be a system when you have to sort of um you know extrapolate different uh you know, conclusions and make different bets. If you stray from the system, it's, you know, it, it ceases to be a system. The one last thing I'd wanted to say was we were planning on sort of an elaborate um, prop element too. I wanted to talk about last goal scorer and where there's value to that, but I haven't at this point seen any individual game props that include last goal scorer. So that will have to be sort of on the back burner as we go through the playoffs and maybe it's something that comes back when there's a bracket created or maybe it's just something that hasn't popped up maybe it'll happen on saturday morning that type of thing um so unfortunately i'm not going to be able to sort of get into why i like certain players in what is a really sort of random prop uh, market and maybe if it sort of pops up again another reason to follow me on twitter at mrussauthentic M-R-U-S-S-A-U-T-H-E-N-T-I-C so that I can mention it, right? If it pops up on Saturday morning and it's like, hey, like if anybody wants to be a part of this, let's get down on it here and I'll explain it more on Monday. Um, that might be a circumstance uh, in which, um, you know, we do that as well. So let's shift gears. Let's go. That's enough, I think, on the NHL. Let's go to basketball. And we got a full slate here um, the rest of the weekend. Uh, six games on Friday's schedule. Orlando and Brooklyn starting it off at 2.30. And this is really, let's just be honest, the sort of degenerate special here. Um, <laughs> Orlando minus seven. Is that something I necessarily want to do? Not really. Um, I think Brooklyn could have some value here, plus seven. I don't expect them to do much, but I don't know that Orlando has necessarily done anything to deserve being a seven-point favorite on a neutral court. And if you think Orlando, just because they're in the same state or because they're in the same city, you know, has any sort of home court advantage, I think that would be pretty foolish to think. Um, Memphis and the Blazers, we talked about it yesterday. For me, I think we just 
close our eyes, fire off on the Blazers here at minus two, certainly short enough that we probably only need them to win. Um, and I think if I think the Blazers are as good as I think they are going to be here, and this is a major, major game, as strange as it sounds, for being the third game up, you know, four o'clock in the afternoon in Orlando, but this is a big game, and I think the Blazers are just better than the Grizzlies, and I think that number's short, so let's grab that as soon as we can. Suns and Wizards, um, you know, on the same vein of Magic and Nets, you'd think I would say, like, what did the Suns do to be favored by seven points over the Wizards? And the reality is, like, the Wizards roster is awful. You know, obviously we know about Wall, Beal not being there, and, and, and a couple other guys, and their starting lineup is just atrocious. I actually do think the Suns win and win this thing comfortably. I would lay it with the Suns minus seven. I know that just sounds crazy to say. Um, I'd also lay it with the Bucks minus four and a half. I don't know that we're going to get a ton of effort out of the Bucks over the course of eight games, but with the Celtics matchup, right? This is going to be one of those case by case things where you know the Bucks might phone it in against a Western Conference opponent, but against the Celtics, there's certainly sort of messages that need to be sent. And, you know, sort of stacking up that needs to be done. Kings and Spurs. Uh, again, what planet are we on where the Kings are three-point favorites here? But again, I think this is a young legs type of a circumstance. I like the Kings minus three here. And so that's three, four straight favorites that I like. And we're going to make it five because I also like Dallas. That recently moved off of minus one to a little bit higher on the Mavericks. If you can still get minus one, that'd be great. If minus one and a half is all you can do, that's good too. Even two, I think, uh, again, sort of a young legs element. I don't know how much the Rockets necessarily are going to care, especially their veteran guys. Um, you know, no Eric Gordon as well for Houston. That might be why, you know, that number has sort of ticked up. But I do expect more out of the Mavericks sort of on average than I do a lot of these other teams. So let's shift it to Saturday. Again, anything I sort of update, um, again, look for me on Twitter. I hate to, like, you know, badger you guys over the head with it. But, like, between golf stuff and basketball and baseball, like, I'll have baseball plays up um, on Twitter as well. Like, no time for that today just because we're doing all this other stuff. Um but Saturday, Miami and Denver, I don't have anything right here, right? Miami, Denver minus one and a half. Like, I mean, essentially, it's not like you're getting anything by taking Miami. You know, I doubt very much that's going to be Denver by one. Um, I think Denver is sort of the interesting team about sort of how they look and how they come out um, in that series. OKC and Utah, you know, this is a similar story, I think, that you know, was my handicap going into Thursday. And, you know, I can't just, you know, nothing is for sure based on what happened on Thursday night. But OKC to me needs to be the play there. OKC minus one. Um, and a lot of these numbers have been pounded into place, right? Like, it's like the first week of the NFL where everybody has like months to look at these numbers and, and massage them and move them around based on, you know, sort of the sharp money coming in. So these are as tight as they could possibly be. So again, like Thursday, just tippy-toe around these, for God's sake. And yeah, for me, like, I'll take the Thunder minus one there. Pelicans and Clippers. I'm going to go back to the Pelicans, plus four and a half against the Clippers here. Again, that Clippers-Lakers game, way more important to the Clippers than a game against the Pelicans. Certainly a letdown situation here. Same sort of deal for the Lakers, minus four against the Raptors. Give me the Raps, plus four, right? Uh, last team to 
kind of get it fired back up here. Um, they sort of waiting on the Lakers. Lakers have already played a game. Maybe there's an advantage to that. I don't know. But um, assuming everyone's healthy there, I know Fred Van Fleet had uh, an issue in their last scrimmagey type game. <clears throat> but I'll take uh, I'll take the Raps plus four. And if we can do a little better by the time tip-off is concerned, uh, I certainly don't think we can do worse, right? I don't think that's coming down to like a three and a half. So we may be able to get an extra point, point and a half. Who knows? Uh, and then finally, I sort of skipped by it because I wanted to talk about the Lakers and the Raptors. The Sixers and the Pacers here. Um... The thing with the Sixers is, you know, the narrative going in is, oh, they're not at home court. They don't have that home court. They're the best home court team relative to their road, um, you know, record. And yes, that's true, but they're also, and this is going to be strange, they also kind of remind me of the Atlanta Falcons. And here's why. The Atlanta Falcons last year, halfway through the season after they weren't having a ton of success, just randomly just shifted things around. Like they moved coaches from like you're co- from you're not coaching the offense anymore, you're coaching the defensive backs. You're you know and they just shifted things around and changed their scheme up a little bit and they finished the season. I think it was like 6 and 2. And the Sixers are kind of the same way in that they're like, you know what, this isn't really working with Simmons at point. Let's move him to small forward and see if that opens things up. Now, you could say that is going to totally ruin the Sixers or be a detriment to the Sixers. And, yeah, I can't necessarily say it's definitely not. But um, at the same time, I think there's a better chance that that helps the team based on sort of how we've all kind of viewed the Sixers and whether Ben Simmons was a true point guard at any point along the way. So if we have always kind of figured that he wasn't really a true point guard and, you know, he needed to be a better shooter to be playing that position, and now if he's playing small forward and he doesn't have to be a great shooter, to me, the only sort of way they can go is up. So, sure, that certainly makes them interesting from an Eastern Conference um, you know, future standpoint, but like I talked about yesterday, I don't know that we need to do anything with that, right? Like, I still think we'll get that same price, even if it shows that the Sixers are sort of more efficient on offense uh, with Simmons at the small forward. Where it might matter is in the individual game, and five and a half might be low against the Pacers for the Sixers. So I'll be looking at minus five and a half with the Sixers there to give this whole Simmons at small forward thing a, you know, give it a try, essentially. I will try them and sort of lean that they are going to be a better team um, overall and efficiency-wise with Simmons. Because if it was something like, oh, he's going to try point guard, that's a way bigger deal, right? At least they have a professional point guard in Shake Milton who is going to run the offense. If it was the other way around where Simmons had been playing small forward and was coming in to now play point guard, and like to me that's a way bigger deal as far as like getting everything organized for the uh, Sixers. As far as the totals are concerned, it's still a wait-and-see approach for me on all of these um, again, small sample size last night. I'm not sure a ton of you know decisions need to be made based on that. Uh, so we'll sort of leave that for another day. Anyway, again, I'm at MRussAuthentic on Twitter. Everything else you need to know, you can find there this weekend. Please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. Until next time, I'll see you at the window.